Good evening, everybody. This is Andrew, and welcome to another episode of We Written. And if you did anything for the 4th, I hope you had a great time. I hope you got to spend it with people who matter to you. I hope you had fun, etc. I had the most low-key 4th of July that I've ever had. Uh, and that's pretty much all I got. I got to spend it with my best friend, and that's a blast. And I don't think I've fallen asleep earlier. I don't know what it was, but the fireworks around where we were were cool. So, I don't really have anything more to talk about about the 4th of July. Um drink responsibly, etc. Today, uh, the episode's coming from a weirder perspective. I'm not going to bother explaining anything. You're just going to have to jump on and kind of go with it. Uh, and those of you who have wanted to submit your episodes, thank you so much. I will finally be getting back to you. And those of you who are thinking about it, do it. I'd love to read your work. That's the point of this whole thing. But enough about that. Uh, let's just get straight to the episode. Uh, last week, uh, last episode, it was from uh, David's perspective again, and it ended on kind of a mysterious note, falling asleep in the house, getting to know uh, his new buddy, his buddy, I can't believe, <laughs> refer to him as a buddy, sure, why not, they're both after the deed, but no big deal, uh, and then from outside, it turns out that his paranoia is real, and that someone well, something is following him. I know it's a little hackneyed, but I really wanted to go on a weird paranormal sort of thing this week. And also, uh, uh, never mind. I completely forgot what I was going to say. If I remember it later, it's, it's important. And if I don't remember, it's not important. Good. I'm glad we had this talk. Uh, let's get started. So this is today's episode of We Written. Most have a hard time knowing what their strengths are. Not me. I've always had a good and right mind about what makes me greater than the average man. In part because of privilege, plain and simple. With money in your pocket, folks will rush and flop belly up to tell you how great you are, real or otherwise. Of course, their words don't mean it's real or a mountain of manure. The things that they see in you, of course. No, people just have a tendency to be blind, so seeing... It's not really their strongest suit. We, typically, only see what's smacking us right in the face, what's right in front of us. We're blind, as I said, to the things that might be greater than the weight you carry or the beauty you flaunt or the gold in your coffers. That blindness leads us to believe in the strength of a man's arm or the security of the material or the illusion that you're safe simply because you appear to be alone. A man walks down the path. He wears his strengths loudly. He's a pleasant peacock, all too happy to show the world his greatness. I identify with this man. See, I took those same steps a very long time ago. I took those steps to prove something. And that's really why people come down the path at all. They've got something to prove. It doesn't really matter to whom. But usually it's the man in the mirror. That man also tends to be our biggest critic. Of course, unless you're an arrogant so-and-so like I was, then he's your proverbial devil sitting on your shoulder, you know, just itching for the moment to make you worse than you were at breakfast when you think you're going on the up and up. Of course, my devil is a bit too big for my shoulder these days. He's long since hopped off and taken to using those legs of his to get around. I often forget he's there, sort of like your shadow. He's very good at being quiet, and he possesses a 
patience that I never had, which is a wonder why we frequently occupy the same space. And my devil watches me as I watch this man, the peacock. I wonder what he would do if he knew we were side by side, again, the peacock, if he knew we were walking the same path that I walked so long ago. Would he scream if he could see me? Run, abandon his search for purpose down the path? Now see, that's what always tickled me about folks like me. So we pound down the dirt, we muddy our boots, wreck our brains and starve our bellies. We, all, we do this to glimpse what we think is our long-sought-after purpose at the end of the path. Now you may call it a metaphor if you wish, but what folks, what fishes for folks really, fishes for folks like us, and draws us in is a very real thing. I still don't know full well what it is myself, but I've long since felt its hand on my back guiding me. I know the touch of its skin as it leads me, and the taste of its honeyed words telling me everything I've ever wanted to hear. Of course, I remember when it was a simple devil on my shoulder, as I said. A few errant thoughts about my greatness and some brash behavior with wine and coin. And as long as I can remember, he was there, and that is how I was. I'm fairly sure that it was just my bad intentions in the beginning. You know, something I made up by being the man I was. Can't fully recall when it up and hopped down onto its own two legs and took to a body all its own. I just remember turning around and finding it staring back at me. As me. It was the worst me, and most likely the greatest. Now, no two folks see him the same, but I sure wish I didn't see him as me. This man I follow, the latest in a long line of folks seeking purpose down the path, the aforementioned peacock, he'll end up just like me. They all have. Sometimes I try to remember just how many have taken to the path, found the end, but then my head hurts and I stop counting. Then I usually laugh at myself, and I remember the days when I would try to actually warn people. It's the trouble with the valley, though. It's all too good at taking advantage of folks' blindness. It's no metaphor, either. It's really more of a literal thing. I can't rightly warn folks if they can't see me, and my devil makes sure that I'm hidden as does my past foolishness. See, I'm always in your periphery, even if I'm standing right in front of you. It don't mean I don't try to warn each and every one who comes down this way. It's, and I tend to favor fear as my way of warning folk. But it turns out that folks don't scare too easy when their hearts are set on something. People call it courage, and they say it's noble and strong. Of course, when courage turns sour, it's just stubbornness, and I recall a few times being scolded for such a trait in my younger years. Good or bad, though, the heart that beats in your chest can push you well past fear and uncertainty. Eventually, I learned spooking folks wouldn't work. Folks are just too robust for that, I suppose, and I had to learn to be a little craftier. People write off the outright paranormal, but they fear the uncanny, so bad weather usually works on the unprepared. Whispers are handy for skeptics, but by far my favorite is stretching the path. Sure takes a lot out of me, though. And I have to make sure that I don't tire out. You see, I, I can't let my grinning ball and chain loose, though I suppose I am his as much as he is mine. See, he's trapped here because of me, but because I'm trapping him, I am also in something of a bind. It's 
been like this for an awful long time. It's also very confusing. I won't bore you with it. I often think of what it would like to be free, though. And then I remember that means his freedom, too, and I suddenly fancy my present all the more. I guess every man needs a purpose, and so this is mine. And so I focus on the very tiny things that still matter to me. My home, run down as she is, I still look at her fondly. I remember the good times easily, but I, I don't kid myself. Those days are long gone, and so are the friends I spent them with. The peacock finds my home. My devil left the door unlocked, the safe ajar, and its contents ripe for the picking. He can't come in, my devil that is, but conjuring a few baubles is right in his wheelhouse. My devil is smart, sure, but it doesn't take a heap of brains to know that a man and his greed are famous bedfellows. Now, of course, some greed is good. There's a pinch of greed in all of us telling us, you know, pushing us to work a little harder or to hunger a little bit more. Most work hard for what they've got anyhow. Some spend some serious time and effort chasing down the next thing that we have our eye on. Of course, we are, most of us, hardworking, good, and honest people. But when you can get something for free, wanting maybe a little extra coin for doing nothing, not really needing to worry about a day or a life of work to get that big payoff, well, I guess who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't take the pot of gold at the end of the old rainbow, or I suppose in this case, the deed at the end of the path? I can smell him perspire. The peacock, that is. Smells sweet. Some kind of melon, maybe? He's nervous. I can see the hunger in his eye for the big score, but his sweat sort of betrays that hunger. We're all just run by nerves, I suppose, in the end. Can't see me standing next to him the entire time. As he paused the deed softly, I shake my head. Of course, my devil watches from the back window, smiling like he does. Lidless eyes, unblinking. That still spooks me. Too bad for him that most folk don't carry pens with them, and Peacock is no exception. Can't rightly sign nothing without a pen, and he sure is pissed about it, too. There's a certain order, you see, that you have to follow for my devil to scratch his way in. You gotta sign, bleed, and then shake his hand. Most don't believe in such hullabaloo, but... Well, not at first, anyhow. Not until my devil makes him believe. I watch over the peacock as he sleeps. He sleeps in my home. It's really the only safe place he's got. I watch over him, and so does my devil. I I, I really should come up with a name for him. Well, I, I have a name for him, but I still don't know his real one. Can't believe I, I don't after all this time. Tried to figure it out several times, you know, tried every name in the good book, so to speak. I ended up settling on Scratch for what to call him, on account of how he tries to get in. Still not his name, though, just what I call him. He's got a name, but he's not telling me. Ironic thing would be he's named Bill or something a simple man would call himself. I just call him my devil. Of course he's not. This is all... Quite confusing, but I, I beg you to listen. He, he, I call him my devil. He, and again, he's not. He's not mine. He's not so much a devil or a demon or a thing that I was made afraid of in Sunday school. Honestly, I'm not completely sure what he is. I just know that he's strong. Real strong. 
can't beat him. Can't kill him for damn sure. I tried. Several times. Thought I did it once, but then he regrew the pieces that I carved out. It was all pissy and pouty after that. Also quite vengeful. You make him mad and he forgets his plans of getting your signature and whatever purpose that yields. He forgets that drop of blood and he so desperately needs to squirrel his way inside, he just kills. He sometimes tortures, but mostly not. Mostly he just kills. He loves a dash of irony in it, too. He once told me, it makes him feel better, that it, it reminds him of how strong he is, how weak we are, how he's so happy he's not like us, not anymore, and I like it, I like it much more when he when he doesn't talk, when he's quiet and just scheming. It's frightening, of course, watching him conspire, but at least he does it in silence. At least I don't have to hear that, that terrible voice of his. What I know is that he's old, real old, but he acts like a child with strength enough to bend the valley and all in it to his temper. Prefers to do things like you'd see in your nightmares, or maybe on the TV, like those um, cartoons, I think they're called. I heard people talk about them when he's lured them down the path. Some people watching them on their phones. He feels clever, I suppose. You know, warping what must relate to these people's happy childhoods into something completely terrible. He loves that irony, like I said. I once saw him smash a fellow, a real big guy. I watched him smash him flat with a hammer three times, uh, three times his size. And I don't understand. Is that, is that violence what folks find funny nowadays? Why do people watch those things, if that's all that there is? The, the cartoons. Oh, remember he turned a girl inside out. Poor thing. Didn't let her die until she, well, he got bored. He opened up a hole once, too, into nothing. Poor man just, he just fell. That being said, he can't do much long as I'm around. See, I keep him in check. His ball and chain can't do the more terrible things in his power without your signature. You know, he just watches. He's always watching. His eyes can see anything and anywhere in the valley. Well, almost. My, my home is really the only place where he's got to look through a window of any kind. Can't see each and every way in there. It's a little safety. Glad that I can provide it. He has the woods, of course. They're all his. Most of the valley, too, but at least I can keep him out of my house. The fact is, with me around weighing him down, diluting him somewhat, he really can't do much. Not without your signature, as I said. He can lure you down the path by tugging on your greed, though. Your ambition. Your sense of adventure, so forth. But he can't hurt you. Can't make deals and can't scratch his way in, not as long as I'm around. Until you sign that dotted line, of course. Then he can talk to you. Whisper things you want to hear. Make deals. Still can't, still can't believe I made mine. Then again, that's how he gets you. He whispers and he promises you things. He's got real charm. He wasn't even using contracts back then. Finest snake oil salesman I ever saw. Now, with a signature, you get more than most. You get coin and clout. It's enough to bring you more sex than your bones can handle. You know, petty things like that. Material things that owning a kingdom might get you. Drop of blood will net you more. And, that, and that's when things get weird. 
wishes, unnatural strength, spook-addled revenge, and even the occasional transmogrification. And then there's the handshake. Weird at that. You shake his hand and weird just becomes madness. And reality sort of becomes uh, more of a suggestion. Of course, all this said, you can't just get something for nothing. Everything has a price. But of course, when you're told you get everything you've ever wanted, why would you think that you might lose everything else? It's arrogance, of course. That blindness that I mentioned, that's arrogance. Your dizziest daydreams fulfilled, sort of. At a cost. Cost you can't possibly afford. And of course, that cost, well, he's a fan of irony too, like I said, and I'm going to get to that, but... You know, no one really asks for anything good, anyhow. It's money, power, and charisma. We're all the same. It's never worth it. Peacock wakes, and I guide him out of the valley, out of my home, out of safety. He aims to grab a pen and come back for the deed. I would have. I would have done the same. I, I, I did do the same thing. It took me two trips when I... Came down, I never was a good planner, more of an impulsive adventurer, really, cursed with good luck. Peacock will get overprepped and he'll come back, but someone has already gotten it into their head to visit the valley, and they're going to get there before he gets back. This one, this boy, he's a tad more promising. See, I might actually be able to keep old Scratch away from him. He's not driven, not by greed, like most. Even the good ones, they're still driven by greed. But this boy, see, he just wants to see the end. He's got an adventurous heart all his own and a focus on the task far better than mine ever was. And seems like he just enjoys the journey regardless of the prize. All the same, I still stretch the valley to protect him. I throw down more rain and I do my best to spook him. And my best is honestly not that convincing these days. I spend so much time and energy holding down scratch that... Well, neither one of us can give as much as we'd like. You know, I protect, but Scratch, he'd use his energy in other ways. Things get confusing for most as they come down the path. You see, I, but it's the best I can do, stretching the valley. I do the best I can. It's a futile exercise, really, especially when someone like this comes on. It, it, you see, it's hard to keep normal folk with their greed from reaching the end, never mind one who's clear-headed and without the need for gain. In all honesty, everyone who isn't full lazy will reach the end of the path. It's no miraculous feat, and I can't stretch it on forever. In fact, sometimes I wonder if I'm, if I'm bad at my job. But it's a hard job. See, it takes the new guy a couple days to get to the settlement. And I laugh when he names the raccoon, and I get jealous it took him so little time to do so. Even a name like Hazel. I never was very good naming stuff, not good with titles. And Scratch sees that it bugs me, and he snickers. And his laughter reminds me of metal scraping on rougher metal. The new guy admires the cabins the way that I used to when they were first made and filled with friends. Some would argue that that was the only time I'd ever given a damn about anyone else, and they'd be mostly right. Didn't start regularly giving a damn about folk until I was shackled with old scratch. Suppose when all you can do to pass the time is people watch, you cultivate a bit of affection for people. 
When the new boy enters my home, Scratch frowns, which makes me smile. Again, Scratch can't come in. Takes the boy less time than most to find the deed, though, and I get sad as soon as he signs the dotted line. Scratch, on the other hand, is loud, and he hollers and laughs like he does, and his laughter starts to sound more like screaming than it does celebration. I hate his laugh. The boy will become his newest client, if that's what you'd call it. You don't even have to know what you're signing for. For all you know, you're just getting the valley. You have no idea what you're really letting in. And the boy would be safe if he'd just stay in my house, but he doesn't dawdle. He's out the door twice as fast as when he entered. He's a fast one, and from what I can tell, he's not too observant. It takes him a little under an hour to get out the valley, and I'm not stretching things on his way out, but he pays it no never mind. I wish I could help him more. I can't. See, I'm worn out from delaying him on his trip down, prolonging his time before he signs. Usually folks will hang out over the night. They'll be tired. They'll sleep in my home and I'll just rest myself. You know, help them on their journey back. Keep scratch away as long as I can. But the new guy was fast and frankly I was just plum tuckered out. Tired as I was, Scratch had plenty of time to start doing his thing. Whispering his song of fear and paranoia into the young guy's mind. I've seen it a hundred times. Damn shame each time. He'll get home, and quicker than he'd like, the wicked musings of that devil of mine will take hold. He'll suspect everyone and everything is wrong and out to get him somehow, some way. And, you know, best of all, he'll think that it's only safe back in the valley. Come a day or two, he'll be back, trudging down the dirt road towards something terrible that he couldn't possibly see coming. Best of all, he won't suspect who's waiting for him. I mean, why would you? When all you fear is other people, why would a man worry about the strange? Ironic thing is Peacock has followed him as he returns. Behind, He's behind him, but he's, you know, close enough. I can't do much to help folks on their second trip down. Quite frankly, stretching the path is is much more difficult this second time around. And if I put too much into it, Scratch will get loose, which we can't be having, let me tell you. It gets harder to keep him shackled every time he shakes another hand. I can't waste a single drop of effort. Can't let him... Can't let him get out. But, all the same, I turn the volume up on things. It's one trick I know I can do. I make sounds feel terrible to hear even if they're your lover's voice. You ever you ever hear your heart beat in your own ears? That's one of my favorites. Usually works. Peacock is chock full of equipment, which gives me plenty of sound to work with, too. I can bend light as well and make things look worse than they do, strange and unsettling, sometimes downright horrifying. That's honestly pretty fun, too, and, and real easy. The shakes, the shapes, excuse me, that I come up with are pretty spooky, but they're nothing compared to the horrors that your own brain concocts when it's just left to go willy-nilly. Takes a little effort, of course, to make the new guy think Peacock is something terrible, but then once his brain takes over, it's all him. Of course, Scratch has already been in his noodle, so he's firing on all fears, so to speak. Violence usually comes next. I imagine he would have killed Peacock with the branch that he hit him with if Peacock hadn't been built like a mountain. All the same, I tip my hat to the new guy. 
I was, it was impressed. He's a big guy. Of course, I don't know if I'm impressed, really, or a little disappointed when the new guy steals a few things from Peacock. No, wait, I'm most definitely impressed. I mean, you got to survive and all that. And sleeping in a bush with nothing but your fear to keep you company? My God, that takes me back. All night, it's a struggle for me. Scratch, you see, gets stronger when you sign your name. Something about you letting him into your life. Not really sure about all of it. He's gotten real powerful these days, too, so I often forget how long he and I have been at this together. How many folks he's made deals with. I can keep him away out of the boy's head while he sleeps, but I can feel the day coming when that old devil is simply too much for me. That day is... Days, unfortunately, very soon. I wish he'd smile less. I hate his smile. Half-starved little rag toy is the new guy by the time he gets to the settlement. There's barely anything left of the boy. Didn't plan very well, so he gorges himself on my pickle pantry. I love me some pickles. Let me tell you, and so does that boy. And I am thoroughly impressed. He damn near ate a whole gallon jar. Damn near emptied the entire thing on his own. Never mind the other vittles he gobbled down. Of course, I do not envy his eventual trip to the old outhouse, but that's another thing. Because Peacock, at this point, he is caught up. Bloodied and angry. Scratch is damn near vibrating that he's so excited. A little bloodlust get him going, so to speak. He's got it in his head that he might just get two signatures this time around. It happens occasionally. Doesn't take much either. Another deed or some kind of treasure usually, whatever it is. He's usually right on the money with what folks want. I swear, you put him in advertising and he'd sell you damn near anything. He'd sell you the shirt right off your back and a place in hell to keep it warm. I can hear his mind working. Sounds, it's a sound almost as bad as his laugh. Almost. Then the boys sleep. Uh, They sleep. Peacock and the new guy, they're plumb tired. They're going to have pleasant dreams because, well, it's the least I can do. And it's something that I can actually do. And then they'll wake and hopefully they'll hightail it out, out of this valley if their wills are strong enough. Of course, you need to be made of iron. you got to have a will made of iron. And if you're not, if you don't possess such a thing, then, well, Scratch does his thing. And then next comes blood. You still, He still needs it to be willingly given for something in return, but that's, that's usually pretty easy to get. But again, it has to be willingly, willingly given. He can't just take it himself, especially not in my house. So he stands and he watches from from the window. Hold on, something something isn't right. Scratch. He shouldn't be able to, to, to touch my house. Certainly can't open windows for damn sure. He can't get inside. How is he how is he reaching inside? Wow, I feel so weak. I grab his hand and I, I do my I, my best to pull him back and he turns he turns his head and he smiles damn he's strong it's too strong he's never ever been this strong before now I'm holding him back I'm pulling him with everything I have but he's getting close to the new boy's face with that hand he 
He seems to, he aims to get the blood a little ahead of schedule and against the boy's will. You know, I've seen him do it once before. It does not end well. Nobody gets anything out of it. I took him, I took my eyes off him for one second some some 20 years ago. That's all it took for him to, to go for the throat, you know, you know what I'm saying. It wasn't much left of that poor SOB. See, Scratch, he doesn't practice restraint without me around. Couple that with his love for killing, and you've got something of a problem for everyone. Stupid devil doesn't even get anything out of it. Just, you gotta be alive to make a deal. Red mess of meat is all that was left of the boys 20 years ago. Can't rightly make a deal with that. And when that happened, the old devil just pouted. Such a crybaby. And then here we are now, another nice one, the new guy. And maybe that's what makes him hasty. Old Scratch, that is. How, how nice the boy is. And See, now that I think about it here in my panic, he does seem to get much more riled up the better a person he's after. And not sure why, and I do not care. It, I just don't want to see someone else end up a red mess on my floor. But I really don't know what to do. He's so strong. He knows it, too. And there's no way I'm going to win this struggle doing it the way I've always done it. And I can't outthink him, either. He's just hes too quick. He's too smart for me. He's, so I do something that's very stupid. When I crash into him, I see every moment he's seen from the moment he came into existence. All the good and terrible. I marvel at how small his world is, the petty things he cherishes, and I'm, and I'm reminded of myself and the time when I took that foolhardy first step into the valley of the old devil. Of course, back then, this valley wasn't his. I have plenty of time to reminisce as we become the same person. So thinking back, me and mine, well, we'd laid claim to everything as far as we could see, and we'd slapped our name on it to make sure generations to come would know what it was that was ours. See, it was a glorious time back then if you were a Jane or a Macintosh, and it still is, but no family has ever felt more pride being who we are than my family. No family has greater ties to the strange and beautiful, for that matter, or the powerful than my family. Yes, sir, there's, well, there's nothing quite like being a Hornsby. My name is Aiden Hornsby. And I had everything that any man could possibly want. Still, though, that just wasn't enough, not for me. Power, money, if you've got plenty more than God, you just want twice as much, quite frankly. Of course, I had a tendency to overreach. Most in my family did. Frankly, everybody in my family did. And when we'd mined and logged and grown everything we possibly could, when we'd built everything a man can, I found that I needed to look elsewhere. And, as I said, there is no other family in my county that has ties like ours to the strange and the powerful. So, what does an ill-informed and arrogant ass do when faced with no more monetary advance? He reaches for influence, but, you know, then I had that too. The fact is, only God and the devil he spites could get more done than a man with our last name. Of course, God is good, or so I was taught by mine and those at the altar. He's fair and just and only gives the world he we visit for his children to do with as, as they pleased. He doesn't really like favoring folk and doesn't let those who overreach get more, so to speak, than they deserve. So I needed to look in places far more terrible for the gain that I so deeply desired. 
No shortage of terrible things and strange in my family, that's for damn certain. Clan does not grow as we did, as fast or as robust without a little assistance. I never, of course, bought into that stuff myself, though I had seen a few things out of the ordinary before I could walk. I'm not really sure. At the time, I didn't know which book of terrible things I should have been referencing, so I just picked the prettiest one. It was red with gold trim, and it had our family symbol on the cover. It was an old book, old, and within was everything no one had ever needed. It was by far the worst of the worst that I could have chosen. Now see, my family, well, we had two sides of our maddening legacy, as it were, record knowledge and imprison terrible things. It was a noble something that we had taken up generations and generations prior, but had somewhat perverted for our own gain. You know the story. I took the imprison part to be literal, and I figured it would involve a place made of stone and steel that held monstrous things and men far worse than all others. Of course, it was the book that was the prison. I, th I imagine you already jumped to that conclusion, so I'll skip ahead. When I pulled Scratch from the book the first time, I'd done so in haste. I didn't bother to read the whole entry on him. It had labeled him as strong, sure, but strength like his isn't something for a simple man such as me to understand. I was too captivated by its description of his deals. Of course, blind as I was, I couldn't see anyone or anything who was willing to give me what I wanted just as bad. He's bad, though. He's very bad. All the same, I brought him out, and I made my deal. Out he came, and I, asked, I said, I wish to rule over the land as its undisputed master everlasting. And now semantics, I'm sure your teachers have told you this, are important, especially when you make deals with terrible things. Master of the land I became, which also meant I couldn't leave the valley. It was the trade I made. I'd remain there forever. Of course, it came with perks. All of the dirt, the animals, even the weather itself all obeyed me. I could grow trees from seeds in a matter of moments, rearrange the very land on which I stood, even build a small settlement with a gesture. Just changing mud into wood and then turning it into shelter, it really didn't take that much work. The more I let my imagination go, the more I found I could do. I made my nightmares physical so I could overcome them and laugh at the man that I once was. And each day I was more and more convinced that I was God, not a God, but yes, the God. And not once did I wonder how the deal would ever come back to bite me in the ass. I'd already paid my dues. Powerful as I was, I was also very lonely. I couldn't rightly create life, try as I might, and I did, though I... I did create a number of terrible constructs. They may have become lost in the woods, but I'm sure that's not... I haven't seen them in years. That can't possibly... It's probably not important. I needed companionship at the time. I was still just a man, even though I fancied myself a god. So I found that calling to folks, luring them down the path, well, that was easy. Within a few days, I had an entire village under my wing. They'd ask for their wildest dreams, and I'd make those dreams come true as best I could, and they worshipped me. No, really, they quite literally worshipped me. I was their god. 
Of course, God doesn't meddle. Nope. He just watches. So in this transaction, I wasn't the one who was made God. No, it was the one who remained watching, which is what Scratch did. And then I sort of realized how I fit into his whole plan. See, Scratch is many things, most of which I don't understand fully, but luckily he lacks creativity. I see that's why he makes deals. He gets a look into our hearts and heads and lives vicariously through us and through our wishes. And he once told me that when he makes a deal, he feels like it's his idea. It feels feels like it it fills a void in him. It makes him whole. You see, as, as powerful and terrible as he is, he's still as alone as any one man. And he was as petty as I was for that. Well, that was for sure. See, as far as I can tell, his purpose is to search for purpose through the dreams of others. He is forever incomplete. Now, it didn't take long for people to wonder how I'd become so powerful. It was basically day one. Of course, most were content of just living off my old teat. It was the ambitious few I'd grown up with who'd asked to, well, they'd want to seek me as an equal, let's say. I mentioned that I was arrogant uh, but didn't I? And I was. Uh, so I didn't even try to hide Scratch. I, I readily introduced him to the others. I figured that no one could possibly become as powerful as me. Still, my focus at the time was power. And most everyone, not everyone, but most everyone made deals. And frankly, most were pretty good. People were quite creative. I, I hadn't thought of a lot of what people were asking for. Most wanted good things, of course, for others, or the ability to help in some way, and they got what they wanted. And so did Old Scratch. Now, I need to be clear, I don't rightly know how his powers work, only that he can make real your wildest dreams, and that he gets stronger with each deal he makes. Pretty sure he doesn't do anything to your soul like the nuns used to warn me of demons. I'm pretty sure he's not a demon. I'm rambling. This has no importance. For a time, the village was happy. Ain't that the case, though? For a time. And then I really saw what was happening. It might be the only time in my natural life that I wasn't blind. See, Scratch would make a deal, then would stand in a particular spot in town. Each time he made a deal, the spot was further and further from the book from which I'd brought him out of. Even when I noticed this, I didn't pay it a whole lot of attention. I I even thought of spreading the word and introducing him to more folk at the edge of the valley. I figured, how, how much harm could that do? I mean, greatness for nothing was a dogma that I could get behind. And then came that morning. And we all understood the price you paid for his deals. You see, nothing is free. Remember that. So when you made a deal, you had to accept a consequence. Mine was never leaving the valley. Mine was very simple. A small price for godhood, I thought at the time. One man wished to heal others. You see, but that meant taking their injuries and sickness into himself. And if he waited too long to disperse these things into another living creature, he'd die. He was the first to go. Oh, he he didn't die, excuse me. He just left. Scratch terrified him after he'd almost killed himself fixing a gunshot wound in his buddy. And I realized that he could see Scratch for what he really was. I think he could see his... I think he could even see his true face. At the time, he was the only one. 
The last one to shake the old devil's hand was a young girl. I, I forget her name. She had to be no older than nine. She made a deal to never go hungry again. And Scratch shook her hand. But it wasn't a full belly she had. She'd, well, she'd never go hungry because she'd always be eating. And the food was gone in a matter of hours. And then she ate whatever animal was nearby. And I, I'm still not sure how that raccoon survived. And then she ate Terry. I always liked Terry. People tried hiding from her, but she could bite through the heavy wooden doors. No problem, Terry didn't stand a chance. She was taken down by a man who stupidly wished for a gun that never needed reloading. See, he never needed reloading because the bullets he fired into the little girl, well, they were made of the blood in his own body. He just kept shooting and, well, he died next. After that, well, people started to leave pretty quickly. Two of them tried to take me with them, and I, that's actually when I learned I really couldn't leave the valley. One tried to kill me at that point, called me a heretic, thought I was the actual Satan. I am not the actual Satan. He wished to have the strength of ten men, the man who tried to kill me. You see, the cliché deals, though they're my favorite. Yeah, this man, he had incredible strength, could probably... Maybe even killed me at the time. You will never know. Because he tried to lift one of the cabins, and he didn't understand what structural integrity meant. And he, by God, he tried to throw it at me and old Scratch and kill us both. But the cabin collapsed around him and crushed both him and his wife. Strength, yes, but still as vulnerable as any man. And power does not invincible make. Then we were alone, scratching me. You know, we argued for a bit. Mostly my one-sided complaining. He only started giving back when I told him I would never bring people into the valley for him. That I knew that he'd just use me as a beacon to bring folks for him to make his awful deals. And he wasn't impressed with my gumption, let me tell you. Some of the people of my settlement, well, they hadn't made deals yet. They hadn't got out of the valley either. They were still within his range, so he went after them first. Tried to do the hard sell... You might say, that's when I saw his true face. But I don't want to talk about that. He went after my people, but I did everything I could as master of the valley to hold him. I grew whole trees around him that he just withered into nothing. I sank him into the earth and turned it to stone, and he just somehow wriggled out. It's disturbing, really. He could counter any physical thing I threw at him. And makes sense. I mean, he gave me my powers. Might as well be able to negate him, I suppose. But then I had my first moment of stupidity. I used my very flesh and blood to bind him. I'm not sure entirely how I did it, but my will has always been strong. And I swallowed him whole. First time I did something stupid. Really stupid. I became his new prison. Never mind the book. He'd reside in the chest that I used to call mine. And he rattled around my mindscape for a time. We even did battle. You know how these things go. You've read stories. Eventually, though, I got tired. I learned that he didn't. Well, soon enough, I knew he'd get out of my head and back to the real world. He'd stop occupying the same brain, and he'd very much take over everything that I knew and loved. He'd go back to making deals and... 
getting further and further from his former prison, the book, of course, and I'd most likely die. And of course, I had no idea what it meant if he were strong enough to even get out of the valley of to where most people were. I, I still don't know what his plan is to this day. I imagine that sowing madness and chaos might have something to do with it, but that's just bug-addled speculation. Now, the second time that I did something stupid was giving up my mortal body and shackling my soul to him as a good old ball and chain. Yeah, see, the way I figured it, if I used my flesh and spirit, I could hold him by the same limitations that had been forced on me. He'd never leave the valley as long as I stayed glued to him. Plus, with me around his ankle, he could only pull in a single person every few years or so. It wasn't perfect, but it was the best I could do. To counter me, he made the contracts he still uses. You see, you sign your name, you let him in. Very little that I can do about that. You give him blood, and he grants a small wish, and he takes physical form. Still bothers me that he walks around in my skin. You shake his hand. Okay, I'm repeating myself at this point. So let's go back to the most recent time that I had done something incredibly stupid. Scratch had somehow become strong enough to get past my ward. He could enter my house. Something he'd never been able to do before. He was already taking physical form, even though he'd only gotten the signature. His hand was inches away from the new boy's throat, inches away from ending him or worse. There wasn't a damn thing he could do now. Yeah, I'd done something stupid, and I would no longer be the devil's shackles. Instead, I became the boy's new shield. I forced my spirit into his body and poured everything I had into defending him. Scratch shrieked, and I forced him out of my house. He wouldn't get the boy that night. But, of course, that wouldn't be enough to stop him. He was bound to the valley as I had been, but I had removed the chains that held his full strength back. Inside my house, we were safe, but step outside. Well, in a few days, he could call more people to the valley, at the very least, more folks to make deals with. I didn't know his master plan, but I knew the chaos his witches brought. Next, I'd expect him to attack the window, you know, try to force his way in, like you hear in the scary stories, but I don't know. I always assumed he was stupid because of the rules he followed. But that night, I really understood the intelligence of the beast. He didn't attack. He smiled back at me from beyond my window, wearing my skin. And I got it. I knew that he had tricked me. I had fallen for such a simple trap. He wanted me to protect the boy. That's why he always tried so hard, so much harder, to get the nice ones. He just picked a mark for me to defend, and so I did. The nice ones, they all, I was, I call me soft-hearted, but I don't think nice people should be hurt. And time and time again, he, Scratch, would force me to defend these people until I had to resort to something drastic, until I had become so weak that I could no longer hold his hand back that I had to, well, apparently jump into a boy's body. Smart. Now all I could do was protect this one man. I couldn't... <sighs> it's a harsh thing when you're arrogant like I am, was, and fall so far, but you typically learn from your mistakes and hopefully you stop making the same ones.
But the truly arrogant, the foolish and the blind, well, we tell ourselves that we've learned, that we've grown, but it's nothing more than a statement. See, the truly arrogant are those who think themselves smarter than the devil they know. We think we know all of his tricks and rules and schemes, but we never think that our devil is the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. God, I hate his smile. And that is going to be it for this episode of We Written. Yeah, so like I said, went in a different route, I and I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, I don't really want We Written to be like a love story. I don't want it to be any one specific thing. So I really felt the need to write something rando. And so I wrote this at 2 in the morning after the longest day ever. And... I guess all that I'm saying is if you have an idea for a story for we written, do not be hampered by the confines of the previous episode. Just do whatever the fuck you feel like. And if you want to submit, I'd love to hear it. Or if you, yeah, if you have a, if you just have an idea, but maybe you're afraid to write it, or maybe that's just not your thing is writing, then you can always tell me and I can pen something down. But remember this is, and yeah, the whole point is that this is collaborative one way or the other. Um, And I don't really have a wrap-up for you other than I just really appreciate those of you taking the time to listen. This is still just one dude for the most... Yeah, really, this is production-wise especially. This is just me in my uh, basement office putting this shit together twice a month. I have plans for it, uh, but that's not really the important thing. The important thing is that uh, this is grassroots. This is going to grow as much as people want it to, especially me, uh, especially those of you who want to submit um and those of you who started on the ground floor thank you so much from the bottom of my heart this is the hardest point in getting a project like this off the ground especially because i am self-conscious as fuck still doing this i don't know what it is i have no idea i can do motivational stuff i can do rando geek stuff i've been a teacher for years but for some reason like this this this, we written is the hardest thing that i've ever done it scares the absolute shit out of me and i have absolutely no idea why so your support is greatly appreciated that's going to be it from me my name is andrew uh and i'm here every uh we written to be your host best sign off ever uh normally as long as the holidays don't mess with it we are on the first and the 15th of every single month uh And that's all I got for you today. Go out, have the best day that you've ever had, and I'll see you again on We Written.